have your Bibles. I trust you do. I'm going to invite you to open with me to Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. And let me just begin with a few questions this morning. How many of you have ever taken a pottery class? Anyone in this room ever taken a class of pottery? So how many of you that have done that would consider yourself to be master potters? Okay. How many of you would consider yourself terrible potters who only specialize in making messed up pottery? Okay, so most of us across this room. So this morning, I want to place before you a picture of a perfect potter alongside some pretty messed up clay. And I'll let you figure out who we are in this picture. But I also want to say this, that the the messed up clay has nothing in this picture to do with the skill of the potter. Instead, it has to do with the nature of clay. But thankfully, this clay doesn't have to stay messed up. This clay is able to be formed and reformed. And as we look at this picture this morning, we are returning to our Dangerous Prayers series where we have walked through um, some pretty powerful prayers. Let me just remind you where we've been. Prayers such as, search me, O God, break me, send me, use me, help me, O God, or lead me. And as we said, these prayers aren't easy prayers. They're not safe prayers They're dangerous prayers, but they're dangerous in the best possible way, for they have the potential to accomplish something God-sized in our lives and through our lives. And let me just prime the pump a little bit this morning before we jump in. I I think as, as a church as a whole... Oftentimes, we spend a lot of time talking about, about prayer. We spend a lot of time being taught about prayer. Unfortunately, we don't spend a lot of time praying. Or as Thomas Watson said, the great Puritan, Christ went more readily to the cross than we do to the throne of grace. He embraced the cross quicker than we embrace him. And in my humble opinion, sometimes when we do pray, we often spend much of our time praying very safe prayers just think about what we pray god bless us that's a safe prayer god heal us god remove these things from us god give us whatever it is and all of these could be good prayers we've all prayed those prayers in a i pray a healthy way but they're also very safe prayers or think about this god protect us super safe prayer and often our prayers never rise above the level of of Childish prayers, and I don't mean in terms of childish faith, but in terms of of depth. So what we have done to help us go deeper in our prayer lives is to, we we have spent six weeks and and we're going to have five more to go unpacking prayers that we know, according to God's word, God will answer. The question is, do we have the courage to pray them? This morning we come to the prayer, God as our potter. Mold us and make us. God, as our potter, mold us and make us. And here's what what I know. Pottery is one of the oldest arts in the world. And it remains virtually unchanged to this day. The potter takes a lump of clay and he twists it. He kneads it. He pounds it until all the bubbles and impurities are out of it to where it is soft, to where it is pliable. Then the potter uh, places the clay on a wheel as it begins to spin. The potter then takes his strong, artistic hands and begins to caress the clay with 
talented fingers to smooth it out, to, to press and to, to pull all the while, shaping um, it, the clay, into the very thing that the potter purposed from the very beginning. From an unlovely, unlikely clump of clay, there comes a marvelously beautiful vessel. And in a greater and a supernatural sense, God wants to do that with every one of us in this room. He wants us in his hands. He wants to form and to fashion us in a purpose that he has in mind from the very beginning. And I love the words of G. Campbell Morgan, who says, There are vaster secrets wrapped in humanity than humanity has ever discovered. Higher and nobler purposes to be fulfilled through this strange race of which we form a part. With all its passions, its powers, its doubt, its groveling, its ascending than we have ever dreamed. And the picture is this. As humanity, God has nobler purposes for us to fulfill. So this morning, I want us once again to consider who we are in light of who God is. And in so doing, I... I pray that we will be led to ask God, who is our perfect potter, to mold us, to make us, to shape us, and to allow us to remain moldable in his hands. For here's what I know. According to Romans chapter 12, we are called to be living sacrifices. The problem with living sacrifices is they can oftentimes creep off the altar. Living sacrifices can creep out of, the hand, out of the hand of God. And we have all been there. Not saying that God doesn't ultimately have us in his hands. But we place ourselves away from him. We run away from him. We run away from his hand. We run away from his touch. We run away from his love. And oh that we would today say God mold us and make us and keep us moldable in your hands. So if you're able I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read Jeremiah 18 verses 1 through 6 together. And you're going to get just this picture um, here of kind of where we're going. So beginning at verse 1, it says this. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his will. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I, not, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning as clay. And we come before you as our perfect and gracious potter. And Lord, the whole point of this time together is for us to recognize who you are, to recognize who we are, and for us, by your grace, to stay moldable in your hands. To trust you enough to say, mold us, make us, shape us, God. Even remove from us impurities and things that don't belong for the sake of what you are purposing to do in us and through us. God, give us complete confidence this day in you. And help us, God, by the end of this um, time together to want to be in your hands. God, speak for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. 
I want you just to real quick think about what's true of every one of us in this room. And this might come as a shock to some of you, but let me just lay it out here. We are not gods. We are not angels. We are not animals. We are human beings. It doesn't matter how many times we see people act like animals, or it doesn't matter how many times we think our deceased loved ones are our guardian angels. The reality is we are not and never will be angels. We are not and never will be animals. We are and we forever will be human beings. Thankfully, one day we'll be glorified um, human beings and we'll be glorified in that. But what does that mean exactly? And for centuries, the church has been forced to cut through a whole lot of weird assumptions about what it means to be human. Yet the dominant theme of Scripture is this. God is the creator and we are his special Creation, meaning of all the creation of God, only we as humans um, bear the stamp of Imago Dei, meaning only we are made in the image of God. Trees are not made in the ultimate image of God. Animals are not made in the image of God. We um, have been made in the image of God. It also means that God is the potter and we are the clay. It's another way to express that God is sovereign over all of humanity expresses that we need him and we need his divine help. And we need to find the purpose by which we have been made. So what we're going to do this morning in the time that we have left is we're going to unpack two truths pertaining to this picture of, of a perfect potter and some messed up clay. Again, remember who we are in this scenario. Um, and it will it'll be a little different than normal because these truths are going to kind of seem very fluid. We're going to kind of go back and forth um, between the two. So I'm going to go ahead and just give you those truths. Um, and we're going to try to have some kind of order as we go through them. But um, if I get a little off track, then just bear with me. But the truths today are this. We are finite clay. God is the infinite potter. We are finite clay. God is the infinite potter. So let's unpack that first truth together. We are finite clay. And we see this picture beginning to unfold even at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. Now you might say, well, Micah, you just said we're clay, but that says we're dust. One theologian says when dust gets stuck on itself, it becomes mud, which means it's clay. Guess what we have done, brothers and sisters? We have got stuck on ourselves and in ourselves. Therefore, we are dust. We are clay. We are, in a literal sense, we are pottery. We've been formed from clay. God physically shaped Adam from clay, from the dust of the earth, breathed into him the breath of life. We are all humans, a word that is akin to the word hummus, meaning earth or clay. The Apostle Paul referred to our bodies in 2 Corinthians 4-7 as jars of clay. The patriarch Job in Job 10, 9, 8, and 9 said, Your hands fashioned and made me. Remember that you have made me clay or like clay. Or as God says in Jeremiah 18:6, Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you. We are clay. We are dust. In the words of Spurgeon, we are dust held together by a daily miracle. That is who we are. And just think with me. Clay is naturally impure. The impurities must be kneaded out or beat out. In the same way, we are naturally sinful. 
But thank God, according to Psalm 103, 14, God knows or remembers our frame, or as we just read, He remembers that we are what? We're dust. We are not dust because we're sinners. We're dust because we're human. We're not clay because we've messed up. We're clay because that's how God has made us. The, the picture is we are clay because we were originally formed from the dirt of the ground. And that means for all of us, dust or clay is our basic composition. And so the picture is God's pity towards us is not that we have become clay through some fault of our own, but that God intentionally designed us out of dust or clay from the very beginning. And God remembers that we're of dust. God remembers that we're clay. We forget what we're made of. Bless God, He never does. He never forgets what we're made of. And to be made of dust or to be made of clay means, I don't know if you know this, it means that we're weak, we're needy, we're fragile, we're ultimately very finite. To be made of dust means that we can be easily crushed. Yet God never unremembers that fact. God never forgets who we are. He never overlooks how he made you and how he made me. He never forgets what we're made of. To be dust or to be clay is to be a finite creature. And it might even make us feel insignificant. If you're sitting here going, Mike, are you trying to make me feel insignificant today? Well, maybe. If it makes you view God the way we need to, then yes. Absolutely. But it was J. Wilbur Chapman who said this. The clay is not attractive by itself or in itself. But when the hands of the potter touch it, and the thought of the potter is brought to bear upon it, and the plan of the potter is worked out in it and through it, then there is real transformation. And brothers and sisters, we as clay, we are not attractive in ourselves and of ourselves, but when the hand of God begins to work, things happen. And transformation begins to happen. And that which seems to be useless becomes useful. We are finite clay. But then secondly, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time and kind of a lot more time, God is the infinite potter. God is the infinite potter. And I say infinite because God has never seen what you and I see every day. Meaning this, God has never seen his equal. Every day we see our equal in humanity. God has never, ever seen his equal. And I say infinite because God also has infinite authority over everything that he has made. The majesty of God is magnified when we think through the lens that God made everything out of nothing. Just let that sink in. God commanded nothingness. And it obeyed him and nothing became something. Out of nothing, God made the clay. And then out of the clay, God made us. And we became his pottery. I mean, just let that sink in for a second, which lets us know that God desires clay. God doesn't desire steel. He doesn't desire Oil, he doesn't want rocks. He wants clay. He wants something by which he can mold and he can fashion. Oftentimes, brothers and sisters, we spend all of our life trying to become still. We want to be strong. We want to be immovable. Unable to be flexed. We want to be that. And 
Unfortunately, in doing that is we're trying to become what God never intended us to become. We are clay. Our strength is being in his hands. Listen again to Jeremiah 18.6. Don't overlook it. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. God wants us in his hand. But how does the potter mold us? How does he mold the clay the way he wants us? And the beautiful picture is this. Graciously and purposefully, God's hand forms us. His hands know where to skillfully apply pressure and God's hands know when to relax his grip. All of it designed to make us a vessel that he can use. And what God will do is he continually places our lives upon the will. And sometimes he even places us in the the kiln, excuse me, where the, the fires of life turn up the heat in order to make us more solid vessels. In his book, Captivity to Conquest, Stuart Briscoe talks about the potter's will. And it's kind of a long um, segment here, but let me just read it to you. I love this. He says, presently the will begins to turn. And as it does, the potter's hand moves and presses upon the clay. They give a little here and press a little harder there in order to bring the thought that is in his mind for the clay into reality. The two most important factors are the pressure of his hand and the speed of the will. And he controls both of them. It is he who applies the pressure. It is he who regulates the speed. And he says this, the plan that was in God's mind for you is brought into reality in exactly the same way. First, the pressure of his hand, and secondly, the pace of the will. And the pace of the will is indicated by the way the Lord arranges your circumstances, moving them at such a pace and in such a direction that it enables him to form a shapeless piece of clay into a vessel of his choice. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The God of redemption is also the God of circumstance. Are you feeling the pressure of God's hand and the pace of the will? When the pressure is greatest and the speed is fastest, I believe it is because he has in mind the production of a very special kind of vessel. When God fashioned Moses, Joseph, David, Daniel, Peter, and Paul, oh how the will turned. Yet not one inch of it moved without the hand of the potter being on the clay. For God was making special vessels. Brothers and sisters, our Heavenly Father wants to use the events that we encounter every day, even the circumstances that we don't like and that we wish weren't in our lives. And God wants to use them as special tools to shape us and to sculpt us into the image of Christ. He wants to deepen our faith. He wants to develop within us a quality of perseverance. He wants to make us watertight containers of his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and his self-control. If you are in this moment under some kind of pressure right now, visualize the skillful and loving hands of God. 
using it for good in your life. In fact, pray as Isaiah did. And you see it on the screen, Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. And all we are the work of your hand. You can trust his gracious hand. You can trust his expert fingers not to harm you, but to help you. And let me say this on the other side of that coin. Sometimes we are convinced by the enemy and even by ourselves that we are unusable, that we are unredeemable, that we've done something for which we feel shame and guilt and we think that we are now off limits and God can never use us again. Think about this. Of course, our problems are oftentimes us. I read a sign one time that says everything happens for a reason. Most of the time, the reason is we're dumb and make bad choices. So um, oftentimes that is true of our, our lives. We make bad choices. We bring the bad circumstances into our lives. But when we bring our sin to the Lord, when we confess it earnestly, when we surrender to the power of his shed blood, God is able to take our sins and our shame and spin them into a design that brings glory and honor to him. Amen. Understand this, brothers and sisters today. Our potter does not, will not cast us away. He will not cast us away. But here's what he will do. He will once again put us on the wheel and he will reform us. And he will refine us. And he will continue his work in us. Whatever is going on in your life this morning or in your life today, brothers and sisters, know that none of those things are random. We are not just under random circumstances. God is working through those things, even the worst things in our lives, in order to mold us and make us and shape us. So our posture as clay must be, God, mold me, make me, Shape me however you want. And the beautiful thing is that we can pray that because of what Isaiah 64, 8 tells us at the beginning. Look at what it says. But now, O Lord, you are our what? It doesn't begin with potter. It begins with you are our father. He's our father. He's a perfect father. So we can trust him. If we were clay in the hands of a potter that was not trustworthy, that was not good, that was not loving, that was not merciful, that would be really bad for us, right? It would be really bad for us. But the good news is that we are clay in the hands of a good potter, a loving potter, a gracious potter, a merciful potter, and even more than that, a father who loves us, who cares for us. Therefore, because of that, we pray Father God, we are clay in your hands. Our lives are the work, O oh God, of your hands. So shape us, mold us, make us however you will. Make us in ways that we might not choose. In ways that even we might not always understand. And God, even in the midst of, of pain, of, of being pressed in this way, or even being broken in that way, help us to trust you. To trust that you are a father who loves us, 
who cares for us, who is working all things in our lives for good. God, lead us wherever you would have us go. We yield to you. God, we yield to you for your purposes, not for our own. Use us for the accomplishment of your will and for your name's sake. And here's a prayer to pray. God, help us to not waste our lives rebelling against you. Oh, how we spend our lives rebelling against the potter. Read through Isaiah, and you will read a lot of that where Isaiah says, how come the clay tries to put the potter on trial? And oh, how we are like that. We try to put the potter on trial, but here is the reality. The good and the powerful and gracious God who crafted us has not lost control. He is still molding us. He is still shaping us. He is still reforming us. Even in your darkest moments, even in the darkest areas of your life, even and especially when everything feels like it's out of control, trust the power, the goodness, and the purposes of our good and gracious Father and the one who is our potter. In 1902, Brother Curtis said that was a good year. I kid. In 1902, a 42-year-old woman named Adelaide Pollard sat in a prayer meeting with a broken heart. She has served the Lord all of her adult life in various capacities, all the while dreaming for her heart's desire to be fulfilled, which was to take the gospel to Africa as a missionary. Finally, her plan seemed certain to be fulfilled. Everything had lined up. But at the last minute, her dream evaporated like a mist because she was not able to raise all of her um, support. Heartbroken, she attended a prayer meeting at church. Hardly able to even focus on what was going on around her, she was struck by the words of an elderly woman who prayed out loud, God, it really doesn't matter what you do with us. Lord, just have your own way with our lives. She couldn't get that thought out of her mind. Later that night, she sat with an open Bible before her, meditating on Jeremiah 18 and the picture of God being the potter and us being the clay. And by bedtime, she had written out a prayer of her own, which has become what we know the hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And let me just read the first line for you, and we'll put it on the screen have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. That's his part. And then here's ours. While I am waiting, yielded and still brothers and sisters we can confidently pray this prayer because we are in God's hands let me just remind you how scripture um, describes God's hands 
His hands are creative hands. His hands are righteous hands. His hands are life-giving hands. His hands are mighty and powerful hands. His hands are protecting hands. His hands are saving hands. His hands are working hands. And praise God, His hands are pierced hands. Making all things new. And when we think about being clay in His hands and about how God deals with us, we can relax knowing that in His hands is not just a place we have to be, it's a place we want to be. We want to be in His hands. We need to be in His hands. Maybe today we are the living sacrifices that have crept off the altar. And maybe we're over here somewhere trying to make ourselves and mold ourselves into what we want. And that is one effort after another in futility. Brothers and sisters, our only hope of being what God has designed us to be and finding our fulfillment is to place ourselves in his hands. Oh, today, that we would place ourselves once again in his hands and that we would say, God, mold us and make us. Whatever it is that you would have me to be, do it in my life. And even in a scary way, Lord, anything that you might need to take from me, remove from this messed up piece of clay, God, I trust you to do it for my good and for your glory. Do we have the courage to tell God that? Do we have the courage to trust God in that? Do we have the courage to keep ourselves in his hands even when it hurts? Knowing that he will do more in us and through us than we could ever do in and through ourselves. Oh, that we will. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand, and we're going to call the musicians forward as we enter into a time of invitation and consecration together. And let us pray. Father, we come before you. Again, oh God, you are the potter, we are the clay. The dangerous prayer on our lips today is God mold us Make us, shape us, reform us, make us ever pliable, moldable, Lord, in your hands. God, I pray for those in this room today, especially on this Father's Day. I pray for those that, God, have taken themselves off of the will and out of your hands, Lord, and have run from you because of their own desires and their own designs and plans. Today I pray that you would show us all that that is absolutely futile and help us, God, by your grace to place ourselves in your gracious, gracious hands and to understand that we are being placed upon the will. And Lord, you will use every circumstance, every pressing upon our lives. You are using it for good. Therefore, in your hands is not just the place that we have to be, it's the place we want to be. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Finish this time in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>